This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Hello, everybody. Sorry if it sounds like I'm in a bad mood, but I just recorded this on my expensive recorder with my professional microphone, and I realized that I don't have the little piece that I have to connect to my laptop in order to put the memory card into it so I can transfer the file onto my laptop and then send it to the editor. Yes, the little, it's called a dongle because now they make laptops so unbelievably thin and advanced. I don't know why you would think it's advanced when you're literally taking functions away from it. But yeah, now they have no USB ports. They don't have the little memory card inserts. You need a little dongle. So I left my goddamn dongle at home. So I'm re-recording this on my phone. And maybe you're like, Renee, it's not a big deal. It's just like a couple minutes of an intro. But it is because when I'm at my parents' house, I don't feel like doing anything. And so I like mustered up all this motivation to record that little intro. And then I could not transfer it to my laptop. So yeah bad mood. Anyways, what am I even here to say? It is an incredible episode though, so don't turn it off. You know, don't think like this is not a professional podcast. Clearly, it kind of is, even though I'm doing this intro by talking into my phone. Such is life. Such is life. So it's an incredible episode. I am talking with Casey Davis. You probably know her from TikTok as Domestic Blisters. Love her content. She, like a lot of people enjoy my video reply, like my sassy video replies. She is like the queen of sassy video replies. It's the best. So if you don't follow her on TikTok, you can follow her on Instagram as Struggle Care. She also has a book out. She recently revised her book and put it out with a publisher, which is incredible. And it's called How to Keep House While Drowning. So check that out. But yeah, we just have a great old conversation about parenting. Usually I go into these episodes with like five or six bullet points of topics that we're going to cover. And we just kind of like started talking and just never really stopped. It was just like a very casual, candid conversation that we would have had if we were just like by ourselves having coffee or something. So I think you guys will enjoy it. Why do I sound like I'm out of breath? I don't know, guys. I don't know what's happening. But yeah, enjoy this episode and follow Casey on all the platforms if you don't already and definitely check out her book. So without further ado, I am going to go continue doing nothing now or watching Jurassic Park because that seems to be what we're doing today because it's raining. So yeah, enjoy this episode with Casey Davis. So yes, welcome for your second appearance or I don't know what's what's it called when it's just vocal like audio I don't know appearance I guess or yeah Yeah. the second I don't know (laughs) rendition iteration I don't know your second uh I think I think you still say appearance 
Okay. So hello. Welcome. My first question is just straight up, like, how are you doing? How are things going? Oh, they're going so well. I, you know, when I was like crawling out of the hole of postpartum depression, like there's a few things that we did to like help me get sort of out of it. One was I went on an antidepressant. The second is I went on five ants for my ADHD. And then I also like, I can't remember what it was at the time. Like I did like a part-time preschool or, or, or something, but, and so I was like, okay, I'm a little okay. But what would happen was that anytime like anything fell through, I was like right back in the pit of despair within like 24 hours. Okay. And what do you mean by fell through? Like Like if one of my kids got sick and we had to be home all day for a few days, like, because that's what really like jacked me up postpartum was like, we were in the lockdown. I had the newborn. I had the like 23 month old. My husband was working like seven days a week and it was just me inside my house all day long. So... It took about four months before I was just like losing my mind and just like genuinely massively depressed. But what was happening was like as it was starting to get better, it would like be better for three weeks and then it would be awful for a week. And then it'd be better for five days and then it would be awful for a day. And then it'd be better for a month and then it'd be awful for a week, right? Like it's kind of this like two steps forward, one step back feeling. And there was a time period where I remember I'd been on meds for a year and I was still feeling like, okay, if all the supports are working, I'm good. But like the moment Michael has to go out of town or like the moment one of my kids gets sick, like what used to, what did take me several months to get really, really bad would now take me like in 24 hours, I was like in a state. So fast forward, like last month, so we, and we have a nanny now and the nanny went on vacation for two weeks. How dare. <laughs> <laughs> and, but like for the first time I was like realizing in the middle of it, like, wait, I'm okay. Like I'm doing good. I, I am enjoying the day. I am coping with the stress, you know, we're finding things to do. And because that's kind of the thing for me, I, my experience as a stay at home mom was all I could think about the whole time was it, like, I felt like I was a shark. Like if I could keep moving, it was great. But if I couldn't keep moving, I would just die. Like, you know, I don't know if y'all know that about sharks, but they like, they never stop moving. So do you mean like, because for me, and I just had this conversation with my husband last night, I was like, I do much better when we have something planned after Milo gets home from daycare. So like yesterday, he had soccer. So we came home, we had dinner, like we went and walked to the soccer fields. We came back, had a bath. It was like, I'm constantly going. Like, that's what I said to my husband. I was like, I really struggle with the hours from when Milo gets home from school to bedtime because I'm like sitting here like, okay, like, what are we doing? Like, and my husband's able to just like sit there and be in the moment, I guess. I don't know. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, let's go. I hate like the mundane just sitting around. And is that part of like the ADHD thing for you? I think maybe it is. And I've never heard anyone else say that because that's exactly what it is. And when I say like, I have to keep moving, I don't mean like how some people like they can't sit down. Like I'm good at resting. Like I can sit, I can chill, I can do whatever. I mean exactly what you're saying. Like a day that I've planned ahead where it's like, okay, 
in the morning at 9.30, we're going to go to the park and then we'll come home, snack, we'll take a nap, we'll get up and then we'll go to the museum in the afternoon and then we'll do jujitsu at this time. And then we're going to come home. Like if I have things to do, places to go, like I genuinely... I love taking care of my kids. I love like running the day. I love the routine. I like to wake them up. I like to make their breakfast. I like to eat with them. I like to get them dressed. I like to put them in the car. And I like the conversations and the moments that we have during that time. The part that I have always struggled with is when you find yourself like looking down the barrel of a four hour, five hour stretch sitting in your house and they're going, let's play. And I'm like, ah, and sometimes it's, and sometimes some sort of like blank time is okay. Especially if I have things to do in my house, like my kids are actually pretty independent players. Like if I am working on a little project or if I'm cleaning the kitchen or something and they're playing, like that's really fun for me. Or like if we have, okay, this afternoon we're going to get the pool out and we're going to make bubbles and we're going to make sky foam. You know what I mean? Like crafty kind of things. Like that's really great. It's just the like, anytime there's these long stretches of like, cause like kids won't let you like just chill. <laughs> no, you're not able to sit and focus on anything. So it's like, I'm just kind of sitting there like watching what he's doing, like interacting a little bit here and there, but like, I can't do anything productive, like for what's productive for me. And my husband and I kind of differ on this because he works all week, like dealing with the public, like, you know, he's a physician, so he works crazy hours. So the weekend comes and he's totally fine with like chilling at home, just, you know, sitting around. And I am, (laughs) I am not okay. On the weekend, like, I have no chill. I'm like, let's go to the zoo. Let's do this. Like, we've been to the zoo the last two weekends in a row. And you're the perfect person to talk to about this, too, because my house is in chaos. Because all week, I'm focused on work stuff. My husband's working. But then I can't sit around the house and just, like, putter and tidy up and do stuff. I want to be out of the house going to do stuff. So when the hell am I supposed to organize the house and, you know, make sure it's functioning properly and having dinners ready and meal prep? And so, yeah, it just it just like snowballs. And like we're in this phase right now where things are enjoyable because like one of my kids do an OT a couple times a week. The other one has jujitsu a couple times a week. I enrolled them in swim. And so like I'm building in sort of that day to day that's easy to do with them. And for me on the weekends, like if so because my husband often has to work at least a part of the weekend, I it's easier for us to chill if he's there. So like we don't have to go many places on the weekends because like to me if there's another adult there that makes all the difference for me there's something about you me being the only adult there and you know I'm not really very good I I don't know what it is but I'm not very good at playing like playing pretend and so and typically like when you have those long stretches at home like that's what your kids want to do but you asked if it was an ADHD thing and I wanted to circle back to that because when I so I went on the SSRI which is the antidepressant first and then it was several months later when I went on the Vivance and the Vivance did so much more for my postpartum depression than the antidepressant did 
So what is Vyvanse? Vyvanse is a stimulant. It's it's like Adderall or, you know, old school Ritalin or something like that. It's a, it's slightly different, but it's a stimulant that people take for ADHD. And I was like shocked how it did so much for me because I realized that so much of what was hard is that I was exhausted all the time and not just like a mom exhausted. I mean, like fatigued, like lethargic, no energy. And that was really impacting my like motivation and task initiation. So I'm laying on the couch. I don't want to move. The kids are asking me to do things and like, and they need stuff. They need stuff like every eight minutes. And, but every, every ask to get up was like, okay, if I say no, I feel like the worst mom ever, but peeling myself up to do something feels like torture. Like I just want to lay here and do nothing and stare at the wall or like zone out. You know what I mean? And so when I started taking Vyvanse, all of a sudden it was like I had the energy and the motivation and the ability to do things. And I felt like motivated to get things done. And it was funny because at first my psychiatrist was like, you should take breaks on the weekends. And I was like, ma'am, the weekends is when I need to function the most. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's with my kids that I need that ability to focus, task initiation, like all of those executive functions. But when I started learning more about ADHD and learning about how the ADHD brain experiences boredom as painful and boredom for the ADHD brain isn't just like, oh, I don't have anything cool to do and I wish I did. Like, this is a boring lecture that I'm listening to. No, I'm talking about like under stimulation. Like if you're not getting enough stimulation to your brain, because ADHD has to do with your dopamine system, which is the reward system in the brain and, and the reward system, uh, you know, people think of the dopamine as, you know, just the chemical that makes you happy. And that's true. But dopamine is also critical in mood stabilization. And so, you know, when I am understimulated, I, for, to make it very simplistic, like I'm not getting enough dopamine to the brain, which means I'm experiencing this boredom as very painful, something I want to escape from. But on top of that, there's this lack of energy and there's this irritability. And so what I realized was that when I looked back at my postpartum period and I saw, you know, okay, all day long, you're taking care of a newborn, which means there is zero time to actually, what you said, initiate and finish a task, which is a source of dopamine. You get it when you do something and you finish it, even if you're even if it's something mundane, your brain receives that little hit of dopamine. So here I am, I have a, you know, a two-year-old, a newborn. I can't do anything except barely survive. I can't engage in any little projects that itch my brain, and we can't go anywhere. It's just these long stretches and my husband's working every weekend. So there is no like that feeling you get on a Friday where you're like, oh, Friday. Like I never had that. And I I told my husband every night that I go to bed, I feel like a second of relief that the day is over. And then it hits me that I have to do it all again tomorrow. And I feel like I'm staring down the barrel of a gun. Mm -hmm. And it's like routine, like you're a robot living the same life over and over Yes. Do you think, like, when you mentioned the finishing of a task and getting a dopamine hit, like, do you think some people get that dopamine hit from completing childcare tasks and some just do not? Because I 
It's like you said, you're going nonstop taking care of a newborn or taking care of young children all day. I think I'm like you in that, like, I need to be creative. I need to be doing something. I need to like, like you said, itch your brain or whatever. But then some people are super fulfilled doing the childcare tasks every day. And maybe they're getting the dopamine from that. Yeah. I mean, I think they just have different brains, truly. Because I, yeah. what, I, what, I what I always confused me about my postpartum depression was I was never sad. How did you experience depression? Numb. Okay. Like emotionally flatlined, exhausted, like wanting to go to bed and sleep for hours and hours and hours and checking out, like looking at my phone and checking out for hours and not being able to stop. And that hopeless feeling of like, today's another day. And what was wild was realizing that I think my postpartum depression was triggered by my ADHD because there was that lack of ability to do anything, finish anything or leave the house. Because even going to the grocery store can give me that little like dopamine hit, right? Like we go, we do, we tackle, we come home. And so I don't know. I think some, some parents don't have ADHD. I think some parents have a, just a different brain and body and family, frankly. Like a big part of it was like when I have another adult around, it totally changes my experience of just hanging out around with my kids. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. 
The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Last night, and I struggle with this every single night, it's like Milo goes to bed and now it's like calm in the house and my husband and I are sitting in the living room. And if there is not something on the TV that is completely like I'm, you know, engaged in it, yes. yes. Which, like, let's be honest, there's hardly anything lately that is, you know, that does that for me. I'm almost like crawling out of my skin. And like my husband's just chilling on the couch, like, you know, commercials come on and he's fine. And and he's like, what? Like, why can't you just like chill? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not stimulated enough to like just sit here. And, you know, if I'm on my phone, I'm like, oh, I'm like researching this and then like, you know, doing this. And I don't even scroll social media like at all. But I can be like looking up things and like, oh, I want to do a photo shoot at this studio. Let's check out the studios in Toronto. Like whatever it might be, I'm like constantly doing something. And it's hard for me to even sit in the evenings and relax. So half the time I end up going upstairs at like 9 p.m. because I can like lay in my bed in the dark and read my book where like that to me is now I'm like super engaged in my book and there's no distractions. I'm exact same way. And I think that a lot of parents with ADHD have a lot of guilt around like phones and stuff, especially when it comes to kids, because like there's not enough stimulation coming from whatever is happening with their children in front of them. And so they're wanting to look at their phone all the time, or they're wanting to do something else, or they're wanting to get up and clean the kitchen. And it's not because they don't want to be engaged. It's not because they don't enjoy their children. It's not because they are, you know, addicted to technology. Like it's genuinely because whatever it is, whether it's taking care of a baby or watching them play with Barbies, like it's just, it's not, it's understimulating. Mm -hmm. Which like leads me to the next point that we were just talking about, about how like, you know, taking him to the zoo, going to do something like that is 
stimulating for me and I don't feel the need to like pull out my phone or be doing anything else. I can just be in that moment. Totally. And that's what I recognized was that I was feeling really bad about always wanting to kind of look at my phone. And the first thing I realized about looking at my phone a lot when I when I was like super depressed was that with my first kid, I really put a lot of pressure on myself to like be present and aware 24 hours a day. And I realized that I needed to back off of that a little bit. Like the reason I was sort of checking out was because I wasn't saying no enough. And that's like a key thing for me in motherhood is like in order to say enthusiastic yeses to my kids, whether it's yes, I'll play. Yes, I'll go there. Yes, I'll, you know, do ABC. I have to be saying confident no's. Like I can't, I can't just be you know, someone's butler 24-7. <laughs> so I be, I have to be saying no sometimes and taking, you know, having boundaries and taking breaks and doing these things. And I literally will tell my kids, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go look at my phone, lay on the couch and take a break. Because I would rather be telling my kids, I'm going to go look at my phone, I'm taking a break, than forcing myself to feel like I have to pay attention for four hours straight and sneaking glances at my phone and having them see that. You know what I mean? But anyways, but coming back to like... What I noticed was is that exact thing, is that when I am out doing something that is stimulating, I don't even think about my phone. And this is like a really sore spot because there's so much messaging out there where, like, I hate those stupid cartoons that people draw where it's like two people sitting at a dining room table, but the phone is three you know, feet tall in front of them. People are so disconnected now. Ugh, so stupid. Especially because, like, what do you think they're doing on that phone? Maybe, like, connecting with other people? Like, that's what I do on my phone. Like, anyways. But there is this sort of, like, you know, put it down. Your kids are going to, you know, notice that. And I'm aware of that. And I'm trying to build times around, okay, when I'm done with work at five, like I'm going to put my phone down and not look at it until, you know, X amount of time so that they get that attention. It's interesting that you said like the thing about letting your kids know, like I am basically not going to be, you know, available. Like I'm going to be over here doing this because otherwise you're, you're kind of like half-assing both things. Exactly. You're like trying to answer an email or something, and then you're also trying to like engage with your kids. And I know for me, if I'm trying to get something done, because like I'm the worst, I have this thing where it's like, oh, somebody emailed me, I have to respond instantly. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, you don't. <laughs> but if I'm trying to do something and Milo's like, you know, trying to get my attention, that's when it becomes irritating. That's when I lose my shit. Yes. And it's like, Renee you need to set that boundary and be like, okay, mommy's going to sit over here for a couple minutes. And then as soon as I'm done, I'll, you know, we can go play this or do whatever. But I feel like today parents have this pressure on them. Like they have to be available to their child, like giving attention and engaging anytime they're in their presence. Like if you don't, then you feel guilty about it. And, you know, you hear people say all the time, like, when I was growing up, my parents never fucking played with us. Like, <laughs> I, like ever. Yeah. My, mo my mom didn't play with me. And my mom and I had a great close relationship. And I always laugh because my mom always tells me that her mom, she had three siblings. She was like, uh, my mom would open the back door at dawn 
and tell us to go outside and that we weren't allowed to come in unless we had to go to the bathroom until the streetlights came on. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, and I'm, when you were three, that's when she started, like, you could stay in the house until you were three and then she would kick you out with all the siblings. <laughs> I love I was like, that. that is wild. <laughs> I know. Like, I think about my childhood, and it was like our backyard went into the bush, kind of, and there were like big rocks, like mountain kind of things. And like, okay, it's like Lord of the Flies. Like, we're just yes. like out in the freaking like woods picking blueberries and like making forts and stuff. And now I'm like, we're in a neighborhood where there's a ton of kids. They're playing outside all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice to see because nowadays it's like you hear, oh, kids are just inside playing video games. But in this neighborhood, like there's kids outside constantly. But I'm like, I almost feel nervous for Milo to be at the age where he's going to be out playing like unsupervised. And it's like, why do I feel that way when I didn't grow up that way? You know? Although I think that, like, it's easy to say, oh, remember when kids weren't as helicoptered and things like that. And it's like, yes. And, but we always remember, like, the good parts of it. But Mm -hmm. as a therapist, I'm always like, oh, yeah, like, when people were getting, like, molested by their next door neighbor because they'd go outside and go into their house every day. Oh, you mean, like, when, like, they'd go to sleepovers and the dad was a drunk and they found a gun? Like, there's, like, also, like, there is some... Yeah. wild shit that happened, yeah. you know, that like wasn't okay in some of our childhoods because parents weren't, you know, engaged enough or parents weren't supervising enough or we didn't have enough boundaries around that stuff. So I think the key is like to try not to necessarily idealize what things were in the past, but also to try and take, okay, what was good about it? And in what way can I recreate that goodness? And I think that is that conversation of it's okay for me to not be the cruise director all day for my kids. Like, And one thing I started doing recently is at least one weekend day acting like it's a weekend. That's a big thing for me as a parent is like there's no weekends. Like truly. I so I, And I literally would like, on, on like Saturdays, I would come down and I would lay on the couch and I would like look on my phone. And then maybe I'd watch something that I wanted to watch on TV that was like appropriate for them to see, right? Like I'd watch Call the Midwife or something or or like usually like a dating reality show where it's like yeah. they don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> and when my when my one of my kids would be like, "I want you to do this with me." I you know, I'm upset and I'd be like, "You know what? It's my weekend too." <laughs> I get mommy also gets to do things she wants to do today. And I'm not saying I ignore them all day, but I like I I give myself a little more leeway like that one day a week to be like, you can watch three movies if you want. I'm going to do something that I like. I'm going to work on a craft. I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to take a three hour spot to myself. And we have an open concept and it's not very big. And so it's not like they're like I can still see them. Right. But I'm basically setting the expectation like you're going to do you and I'm going to do me for like this three hour stretch. It's so funny. I always contemplate, like, I should just put on the Kardashians right now and watch it. Like, why do I feel like I can't do that just because Milo is in the room? Like, I've had that. And I think all the time about how the joke about stay-at-home parents is like, wouldn't it be nice to stay at home and watch reality TV all day? And I'm like, who is turning? I have never turned (laughs) on the TV for myself until, like, like, extremely recently. And even then, it's, like, only on Saturdays. Like, I'm on the Mm -hmm. clock on the other days. Like, I I don't know any stay-at-home mom that's watching TV. I know. What are the ages of your kids? They're two and four. Okay. 
So Milo will be four soon. Do they play together a lot? They do. They're so funny. So one of my one of my kids is autistic, but they still play together pretty well. And my kiddo that's autistic is like the most independent player ever. Like if it was just her and I, we would just sit and do our own thing for like hours at a time. Is this um, the four-year-old or the, the two-year-old? two-year-old. Yeah. Oh, okay. My four-year-old is like the most like sprightly little energetic social butterfly. They do luckily play together, but then they have their like sibling squabbles as well. So it's like, it's like, you know, it kind of, it, it like almost cancels each other out. Like it's nice because they'll play together, but also like they take a ton of of work to help navigate the, you know, she took my Paw Patrol. My my kids were fighting this morning over Paw Patrol. They have these little Paw Patrol figurines. They were sitting at the table having breakfast. And I actually purposefully bought two sets. Because this is the great delusion of every mom of multiple children is that if you just get them the exact same things, they won't fight over them. Um, <laughs> but they will. Literally, my two-year-old was like, was yelling like, Chase! And I'm like, you literally have one. It's the exact, yeah. like, I, I, like, I lined them up in front of her and all she could do, and when I say they're exact same, I mean like I pulled two off the shelf. Yeah. And so they each have a full set of Paw Patrol and she still wanted her sisters. Yeah, of course. Because it's better. Because her sister has it. I get that. <laughs> okay, I wanted to talk. I've been, for some reason, and I feel like maybe it's a sign like from the universe. I was watching your content. You made this TikTok for TikTok parents about like having your children on social media. And then I was listening to an episode of On Purpose with Jay Shetty and he had on Gary V. Do you know who Gary V is? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I yeah so. like the big, like... The parenting. But he's like a big, like, content creator, like, yeah. media mogul dude. Anyways, I love him. Oh, okay. And he, they were talking a lot about, like, showing your personal life on social media. So, like, Gary is very private and he doesn't really share anything about, like, his wife, his kids, like, nothing. And I was like, this is so interesting. And I feel like I kind of just like fell into this, like most people in quarantine. But now I'm like thinking about it more and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And can I do what I'm doing without like putting Milo, like he's not in a lot of my content, but he's there, like especially on Instagram, because it's more like personal on Instagram, I find. And so, yeah, it's really made me think. And I'm like, do I go back and delete everything that, you know, Milo was in? Like, I'm really thinking about it now. And I follow a lot of creators and like huge creators who I remember I'd be watching their stories and they're like at a specific hotel, you know, in like whatever city and they're like tagging the hotel and they have their two kids with them. And like, they're huge. Like they're, you know, millions of followers. And I'm like, how does that, like, I would never do that. I don't like people knowing where I am, where I live. Like, I'm very careful in that sense, but I do have Milo in a lot of stuff. And like, I'll show, like yesterday we were at his soccer. And so I show him like kicking the ball in the net. And so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. And you from the start have never shared your children, right? Yeah, I've never had my children in my TikToks. And so to me, there's like three different 
issues, three or four different issues, right? So the first one is a safety issue, which is the one you mentioned was like tagging where you are, things like that. And maybe because I am a therapist, I just have like maybe less of a sense of optimism that like somebody with like a severe erotic delusion is going to like fall in love with me or one of my children or something odd like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I actually like when I think about worst case scenarios, like I don't actually think about like someone who decides they hate me, like trying to like infiltrate my life. I think about someone who decides they love me. And, and has like a delusional sort of like Casey's speaking to me through TikTok sort of situation. So, you know, I, from, I've had to take down a couple of TikToks where somebody recognized something in the background and said, oh, are you at this park? And, and then I had to take it down because I don't want people to know where I'm going with my kids. So there's, I think the number one is like that safety issue of posting where you are that the, on the very, very, like, I'll be real of the very slim chance that somebody would try to find your kid for nefarious reasons, right? Like that's, that's that. But then I think there's also like a privacy reason to do it. Well, actually, let me take my second safety reason. Okay, so there's like the safety reason that might result in real life harm to your children, which I think is a very small risk, but obviously the bigger your platform, the bigger that small risk is. But the other issue is that they have done studies on like like where people have looked at child porn sites And they have found that up to 50% of the content on child porn sites are pictures from families' social media. So it's pictures of kids in their diapers, pictures of girls in their gymnastics uniforms, pictures of children in their underwear, you know, in the sprinkler, things that we would never, ever think of anything but innocent that other people are. And I follow a creator on TikTok who it's mom uncharted, mom period uncharted. And she does a lot of awareness around this. And one of the things that also happens is like these really, really big accounts where they're either like about a child, like run by the mom or like about a family. And people were literally taking the child's picture and starting like fan accounts using the child's pictures. And if you go to any very, very, very large like family creator and some of these like child creators, and I've done this and looked at the comment section and like you do not have to scroll very long to find a grown man making a sexual comment about a child. And so I have always been aware that the platform that I chose to use, TikTok, is not like Facebook, is not like Instagram. It is pushing pictures of what I'm putting to who knows who, right? Just coming up on their FYP. And I have never wanted my children's likeness or image to be available to people that I don't know to do with that I like to do God knows what with. And the wildest thing was like, I was talking about this on a TikTok recently and people were like, you're overreacting, when I, because I was saying, I don't, I think, I really think we should consider not putting our children on social media, like especially TikTok. And people were like, you're overreacting. And I was like, what? I'm not overreacting. They're like, well, this only applies if you're famous. And I'm like, if somebody is scrolling their FYP and a child comes up, 
they're not going to care if that child is from a famous account or from your account. Like if it comes across their FYP, it's fair game. And I don't know if people think that like pedophilia is like so rare that like nobody like that would ever stumble upon their account. But like there are billions of people on TikTok. And it's clear to me in some of these child accounts or accounts where the children are heavily featured that some of these people are only following because of really sort of disgusting reasons. And so what was wild to me, Renee, was people being like, okay, but just because they're looking at their picture like that doesn't mean they're going to go on to harm the child. Like you're making a leap here. And I was like, I know that. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> what? Wait, what? Like it is, I, I've literally, I was almost put a post on there. I was like, this is bananas. What do you mean? It's not a big deal. They're like, well, it doesn't actually harm the child. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I, it's un, And I was like, you must not have children. They're like, no, I have children. I'm like, I don't, what parent yeah, would be okay with would that? Would be okay with knowing that that was a possibility. I don't care if, like, first of all, you know, I don't care if the child ever knows about it, but like, I, just the thought that that would happen to a picture or a video of my precious children is unreal to me. And I'm really not trying to like, you know, induce like moral panic over it. But I mean, people reacted as though I was like talking about shark attacks where it's like, okay, shark attacks are actually very, but I'm like, this is not like, this is like a very reasonable thing if you're putting your children on TikTok where strangers are looking. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. I feel like 
a lot of people, it's weird because like I never grew up with social media, you know, and now it's like it started off as this thing where like Facebook is, you know, you have to friend somebody and it's all my family and close people that I went to school with. And so you're sharing like photo albums from your weekend and whatever. And now it's like different. And it's almost like everybody has a public platform and account and it's not just family and friends. And yeah, and it's really making me think now. And I'm like, oh Lord, That's the privacy and safety issue, but I think there's also another issue that's important, which is just digital footprint and autonomy and like there, there are accounts and you have never, ever done this, right? Like there's a difference between like an account that like their children are sometimes in the video and accounts that have like basically like made their buck off of their children, Yeah. Right. Like where you look at these children who are literally performing for the camera all day long and you're just like, oh, is there ever a day when this camera is not in this child's face? So is there a difference between a child? Because I know there's all these laws in place when it comes to child actors and like entertainers, but there's nothing for social media. Mm Mm-mm. You could make them repeat every single thing that they do, every interaction they do for the camera all day long. And it's so bizarre. So a a kid that is a child actor, like, are we able to fully say that this child at like six years old, eight years old, like, consents, like, this is what they want to do? Or is it the parents, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And at least there's, but here's the other thing. Even if you don't consent... At least you're playing a part. And I think that, you know, the fact that you played Adam Sandler's child, like you might look back and go, I didn't like the child actor life. But there's a big difference between you playing a part and a video of about you toilet training or a video of you losing your cat or a video of you having a tantrum having a meltdown, like those are your real life moments. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how these, I mean, there's already children coming from the mommy blog area, but like, I think it's really unfair to put your children's intimate moments and vulnerable moments online for everyone to see for a couple of reasons. Like I, one of the things that the things that I consider is like, I don't want my children's sixth, seventh, eighth grade classmates to be able to go and find pictures of them doing things that they might find embarrassing and making fun of them. And I don't think people see past like their child being really young. And it's like now that social media is not going anywhere, like you know, this is not going anywhere, it's going to continue. So at what point do parents stop filming their kids and putting it online. Like, it's strange to think about. Like, you can film your three-year-old, four-year-old. They don't really know what's going on, maybe, like, and you put it up. But at what point are you like, oh, they're growing up and maybe I shouldn't be putting it online? It's Like, when do you, when are, when are you considering they have, like, a right to privacy? Like, are you going to still film them yeah. when they're 13? Is it when they're nine? And why doesn't that not extend to when they're four? And it's wild that that kids are going to be sort of, like, coming of age and they already have a digital footprint. Yeah. That they can't control. Like, like 
as adults, we can pretty much control what's on the internet about us. And if you are in a dangerous situation, you can pretty much disappear yourself from the internet if you work real hard, if you're not like a super public figure. But it, it's just unnerving to think that like you wouldn't have a choice in how much of your life is on the internet. That's just wild to me. Like I, I, I just don't think it's going to be good for some of these relationships. Something that I started to notice that really would bother me and I'm trying to be better at is like, we'll be out somewhere like the zoo or Milo's playing soccer. And it's like, I want to capture it on my Instagram stories. And it's like, Renee, like, why don't you take a video for your fucking self instead of like, put like, why, why? Like this is going to be gone in 24 hours and yeah, you can download it from the app, but like take the video for yourself. Like why the fuck are you putting it like, on Instagram stories. Why is that your first thought? Yeah. Like, it's so stupid. Well, and I think some of it, though, to be fair, is, like, sort of going back to that, like, we're supposed to have a village. Like, there's supposed to be people to celebrate those moments with you. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's what it feels like, is, like, I'm having joy in this moment, and I, I want I want people to take part. Like, other people taking part in your joy magnifies it. And so... I, I mean, I get it, but I also like, you know, I have said at least one of my kids, if not both, like not very often, but have said their names before or have had like their name in the background on accident. And even that I'm like, oh, I wonder if I should have safeguarded that better. And the other thing is just like what we talk about, like as mom, like as mom creators, like we want to talk about motherhood and I'm not like strictly just a, a mom creator, but I do talk about motherhood and you know, particularly like when when one of my daughters got their autism diagnosis, I had to think through and had conversations with my husband too about like, what is this for us? Like there are aspects of this that as a mother I am going through, but this is also her life. And kind of what I came to, and so with some of the stuff, there's no like right answer. So I like, I really try not to judge other people for it. But what we came to was like, we, because we believe that autism is her part of her identity, it's not anything wrong with her. We feel like it's a, a part of her identity. And, and so we, we are going to not keep that secret. Like, there's nothing about that that needs to be kept private. And there is a chance that she'll grow up and decide that she doesn't identify with autism in that way and wishes we hadn't told the world that she's autistic. That's a risk, right? I try to focus on my experience, and I also try to focus any content, and I haven't made a ton of it, but on my celebration of her as, you know, we found out she was autistic and, like, People have asked, like, what were some of the signs that you saw? Which is a normal question to ask. And sometimes I just have to pay attention to my gut because for some reason that, it's like, I am, I'm okay and I'm comfortable telling people, like, one of my kids is autistic. But getting into, like, the specific, like, well, at this month she did this and she had this delay and then she did this, that felt like it was getting too personal about her. And so I just told people like, you know, those are actually details that I'm probably not going to talk about online. But I think that, you know, the do we show them, do we not is like, it's already a hard conversation. But getting into like, what do I talk about, about motherhood, about them. But then also every time I'm on a podcast and I talk about motherhood being hard or that I don't like to play, 
I am always in the back of my mind being aware that my children might hear this one day. It's like you said, well, we can't see past them being young. I want my kids to hear me be honest and know that it was a struggle, but also to hear me say loud and clear, like, it has nothing to do with them. Like, they were beautiful and incredible and miraculous. And, like, every moment with them was, you know, something that I know that one day I'll look back and wish I could have them all back. Like, they are the greatest kids and they're the best things I've ever done in my whole life. There were moments of their early childhood that were very difficult for me because I just didn't have the support that I needed because our society doesn't value mothers. Yes, a thousand percent. That is always so much my message is like, it's usually a me, like how I'm feeling in the moment. Like what's my stress level? Like it's not Milo's behavior. Like it's not what he's doing. What he's doing is completely normal and expected for somebody his age. It's like my patient's bucket is empty. I am stressed out. I haven't been able to meet like basic needs. I'm hungry. I'm this like, it's not them. And I think a lot of people nowadays, especially are being more open to talking about how difficult parenting is and how difficult being a mom is. And that's a great message to put out there. It's not on the kids. It's on society and just how motherhood plays out nowadays. Yeah. It's like the expectations, but I, and like that I wouldn't change it for all of the money in the world. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that there's just a lot there. Like we, it's really easy to, to forget that other people are in this story when we talk publicly about it. Yeah. And like, that's all I do is talk like about it. And now I'm like going to go back and listen to all my episodes (laughs) and be like, oh God, what the hell did I say? (laughs) But another thing too, is like, I talk a lot about our marriage and like little things that happened between my husband and I, and not so much in the moment, but after I've had time to like reflect on it and be like, oh, like this could have played out differently or like this is why this happened and like understanding how what I did affected him and vice versa and then kind of presenting it to people because it's like, yeah, we went through this. We kind of figured it out. We've talked about it. It's been resolved sharing it with people because I know the feedback that I get is like, oh my God, I feel like that all the time. I never understood why, like, thank you so much. And so when you get feedback like that, it's hard to then in the future when something happens, not be like, oh, I need to share this because I know how much it helps people. But it's like, I know I'm having this whole, like, I think so much lately about like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And can you do it? differently because my focus is always the podcast, but social media is kind of attached to that. And it's like, can you do one without the other? You know, it's like, it's such a strange, like my podcast wouldn't be what it is if I didn't have the social media. But you know, in like ideal situation, I would barely be on social media and I would just be doing the podcast. But you're also one of those creators that I consider like one of the examples of how like 
you can still talk about motherhood without turning your life into a reality show. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all, like most of the mom content creators that I follow are in that same bucket. Like you, they're finding like creative ways to either do like trends or tell stories or have these emotional moments or they, and they have like these mad editing skills, right? Like they're finding ways to talk to other parents and other moms in a way that connects about their experience. Again, without turning their life into a reality show. And that I think is really important because it's difficult for me to see accounts that are all about sort of like, here's what we did today. And and the worst is like, there are some accounts that aren't even about like whole families. They're just about a child in that family. And there are literally, I've seen this before. If you click on like the link tree in the bio account, there's this place, there's like this, this online site where you can get a subscription. It's like a Patreon Oh, to get like exclusive content about this child. You can purchase photos, like get a certain oh, amount of photos of yeah. a month. And I'm like, what adult yeah. is like paying, like, that's what blows my mind is like, I, I don't, I really don't like there's, I feel like there's this whole area of doing this that like, I really do truly have no judgment because like, we're all trying to figure out this weird, like wild west of social media and being moms and stuff like that. So like people like me and you and like other content creators that are like talking honestly about motherhood and trying to figure out the boundaries and things. And we all might come to slightly different boundaries. Like I have a a friend content creator who doesn't even say her kids' names. And like, I have said my kids' names. And then like, there are other content creators that have shown their kids' faces and I don't show my kids' faces. And it's like, I don't have this like, oh, I'm doing it the right way. But I feel like this camp of like, I'm going to allow adults to purchase pictures of my children. That's where I draw the line. That's where I have like full judgment. I'm like, are, what are you doing? A hundred percent. And I've, I know I have done partnerships with brands before where I'm like, oh my God, like Milo loves this product. And so like, I'll film him playing with it and I'll throw it into the TikTok or whatever I'm doing, Instagram. And now I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that again. Like, that's not right. Like, I I shouldn't be taking a paycheck and, like, including Milo in that. That always feels kind of weird to me, too. And again, like, it's one of those things where it's like you do it and you and then you go, oh, it doesn't feel good. Like, and then you do something different. Like, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, like, thinking about all this stuff. I was at this mom event the other day and I was talking to another creator. She's in Toronto. And she was like, her kids are a little bit older and they're in school. And she was saying how she like met with the principal to just like let them know what she does, that she's like a public figure and like to have almost like extra precaution, let's say, like if people want to come and like pick up the child, like whatever it might be. And I was like, oh shit, like Milo starts in September and maybe I should do the same thing. She's like, yeah, definitely. And I'm like, How did you oh my God, that too? what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, stressful. Okay, before we finish, I'm going to ask you quickly these two questions that people submitted because I thought they were great. So do you have, and I struggle with this, so I was like, yes, I'm going to ask her. 
How do you guys deal with like meals, snacks, meal prep? Like, do you do that? Is this something you struggle with too? Because like, I'm terrible. We're terrible. This is so hysterical because literally two days ago I was making a meal for my kids and I was like, I, I was like hit with the idea for a TikTok and I haven't done it, but I was like thinking to myself, like one thing about me is that I am going to make every child's meal as though I am bringing snack to the softball game. Like it will be <laughs> orange slices and goldfish crackers. Like everything, like I don't cook for my kids. Okay. Thank you. That's we, every, every night I'm like snack plate. You want a snack plate? <laughs> That's all I feed that. Like this morning for breakfast, they had toast and a banana. Yeah. Like for dinner, Last night or the night before, I, I put, they were outside like playing and I just brought them plates out there and they had blueberries, a yogurt pouch and peanut butter on graham crackers. That was their dinner. Yeah. Okay. It, I will maybe cook a chicken nugget or a macaroni and cheese, but that's it. Like I literally, they eat snack plate. Like that's why I got those sectioned plates. Yeah. And like bento boxes, because it really helps me because I look at it and I'm like, all I have to do is fill up the different little compartments and they don't have to be cohesive. Yes, I, I don't cook for my kids. Okay, do you cook for yourself? Depends. If my husband is coming home to have dinner, I will. He is in trial right now. He's a lawyer and at his firm, they buy dinner every night at the trial so that you'll stay and work late. So That's what lovely. I noticed was that if my kids were fed at six and my husband didn't need dinner, I will eat cheese and crackers and go to bed. Like, Okay, we're the same person when it comes to food. <laughs> I always feel this pressure because my husband wants like a legit dinner and I'm like, I will boil two eggs and be <laughs> on my way. Like I don't need to eat you know, elaborate meals, but he always wants like a full meal. And I'm like, God, you're annoying. <laughs> it was really freeing to me when I realized that my husband doesn't care about having sides. Like mm. I was like racking my brain with like, okay, I'll do a chicken thing. And then I guess we'll do like corn. And then like, I guess mashed potato. And it, it was, he was like, oh, I don't actually care if there's, and I'm like, why did I think that I had to have, like, it had to look a certain way? And I actually, the wild thing is, is I actually like to cook. But I don't like to cook with two little sentient sandbags holding on to mm -hmm. my ankles with a time crunch, with it, right? Like, and then yes. there's dishes, and then you have to pick between sitting and dishes. So, like, I actually cooked myself something last night because I was just, like, feeling it. And my kids were eating, like, preoccupied. And I cooked a goat cheese orzo with thyme and cherry tomatoes. So good. Incredible. I like to cook, but I, I like to cook as a hobby. Like I would like to cook if like somebody was entertaining my children and I just got like an hour and a half to just like put in some headphones and be in the kitchen. I like to cook when it's an option and it's not something that has to be done at a specific time or like a specific meal. It is relaxing. But again, I have a problem with relaxing. And so I have to be like in the right mindset almost. What I stress out about, about kids meals is I feel like I can't feed them the same foods too close to each other. And that's the hardest thing for me. I'll be like, okay, like, okay, we have blueberries, but like they eat blueberries for lunch. So I have to pick something else besides blueberry. Like, I just <laughs> wish I could, like, I feel like I have to have so much different food in my house yeah. to, to not just feed them the same things every day. Do you shop at Costco ever? Oh, I'm a Sam's girl. 
Oh, okay. Well, we don't have that in Canada, but Costco has these little, like, they're called Aussie Bites, and they're like these healthy little granola muffin-y kind of things. And I just assumed Milo wouldn't like them because they have like raisins in them and like some nuts and he had never really had one before. And just the other day he was eating one and I was like, oh, you like those? And he's like, yeah, like I like this. And I'm like, oh, oh my no. God, I have another thing I can give him. <laughs> oh, good. Like, oh, yes. good. I thought, I thought you were going to say like, and then I bought some from Costco and now he hates them because <laughs> oh, no, that's no, no, what no. went out with my kids. So yes. uh, yeah, it was like, oh, let's add another thing to the fucking snack plate. Yep. Winning. Yeah. Okay. Last question. This is also something I struggle with. And as the podcast host, I get to choose what goddamn questions I get to ask people. So. <laughs> so this person says her house is tidy, but closets and cupboards are a mess. Like how do you maintain order in closets and in cupboards and in drawers. And like, this is my problem. I will spend half a Saturday organizing like the front closet or like the drawers in the kitchen. But then within a week, it's like back to absolute chaos. And it's like, how do you maintain order or do you? First of all, I don't use drawers. What do you use? I, the only thing that I use a drawer for are the silverware and kitchen utensils. Other than that, I don't have a junk drawer. I have like maybe the tiny drawer like that that has random stuff in it. But I use those like hanging clear shoe organizers so that everything is like visual. Because for me, what's hard to maintain about like closets and drawers is that you can't see everything at once. And then you can just like shut the door and it goes away. And so I do have a couple of closets and I try really hard to make it so that I can see everything in the closet just by opening it. So I'm not like shoving things in that are like behind things, but I have this really deep closet. And the, the truth is, is that they're just, for me, I try to not use those types of organizational things. Like I try to use like bins, baskets, clear things that I can see into, but they're just on a cycle. Like I just have to go in, like I have a little toy closet with other things in there and I, there's no perfect solution to making everything accessible and not having it get like the place where you just throw random shit in there. So like the truth is, is I've just like made peace with the fact that like every five months I'm going to have to go through and like completely reorganize this downstairs closet. My mom comes to visit and she's like, she'll watch me in the moment, like moving around the house. And she's like, put that back where you should, like I had a nail clipper or something and I just like drop it on the island and she's uh -huh. like, go put it back where you got it. I'm like, mom, I can't, like I can't. So I'm the same as you. I just like every once in a while I'll do like a sweep of, I swear to God, I could spend 24 hours just putting stuff back where it should go. But in the moment I'm like, I don't have time. I can't like, I'm just going to plop this down. Like I'm running upstairs to grab Milo like a sweatshirt or something and like something falls off the hanger and I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. I and I just like <laughs> keep going. And then it just like piles up. So anyways, that was great. So thank you so much for this conversation. Where can people find you online if they don't already follow you? Also tell us about your book and where people can find your book. So my book is How to Keep House While Drowning. And you can get it pretty much any major retailer, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound. You can go to my website, strugglecare.com. There's a book tab that'll sh tell you where you could get that in all different countries and things like that. And then on TikTok, I am at Domestic Blisters. And that's my main channel. I do some stuff over on Instagram at Struggle Care. That's me. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. Wow.